episode 84 is here and it's live and it's fun and it's adventurous. Scotty, how are you doing this week? Awesome, Mel. It's a good week. The sun is shining. It's coming up to International Park Run Day. It's happy days. It How is are you? happy days. I'm really well. I've had a I had a lovely week past. Streaky September is over and I'm enjoying not so streaky October. What have you been up to lately? Uh well, you know what I did on the weekend? We 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 spent some days together, which we'll get to shortly. But I know you're a mad football fan and it was football finals fever. It weekend. was. Yeah. Couple of grand finals. Yeah, so give us a quick, uh, give us a couple of hot takes from Mel. Um, probably the one with the was was there a round ball used in one of these finals this time? Well, let me give you my hot take. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because well, Richmond won, and I've never, I never knew I had so many Richmond supporters, but I'm not surprised because like as friends, years you mean? Ago, yeah, yeah, 37 years ago, I had a choice. I was confronted with the choice of Richmond or Essendon, and it was the 1980 grand final, the last time Richmond won a grand final. And I was sitting there, and somehow my family has decided that I was going to be a Richmond supporter. And I was watching them win the grand final, and it just wasn't right. I was only six at the time. And so on that day, I chose to barrack for Essendon. Right, as you do. Start your career of supporting the underdog. Yeah, back in 1980, when Richmond were just winning a, a premiership. Fast forward 37 years later, and those poor, miserable buggers haven't had any success for 37 years. Wow. Do you think that's because you weren't supporting them personally? I've taken a little bit of credit, but, <laughs> um, but I think karma's got me because Essendon in the last 10 years have been a nightmare. Okay, but so gee, it might enjoyed... be the beginning of their 37-year streak. Yeah, but I enjoyed my 27 years before that, so I'm not complaining. And the other thing is, I watched my very first game of rugby league because I was in Brisbane and I was somehow infected by a rugby league virus and <laughs> uh, watched Melbourne win on Sunday night. Okay. So I'm, I'm all footied up. and You're all and that's, up. That's, that's our first and only uh, footy talk. Okay. All footied out now too. Yeah. yeah. But we spent some time together in the past week, which has been exciting. We did. We had to get some streaky September challenges done, so that caused some fun times. Yeah. I'm going to call them fun times. I'm going to so go let's go there first. <laughs> yeah, let's go there first. Nambour. <laughs> let's, so I visited Nambour and the lovely Melissa Taylor joined us. For our freedom walk. She did. Which was very kind of her, giving us the guided tour. And there is no contest. That park <laughs> run is by a long way the hardest park run in Australia. Not that I've done them all, but I can't imagine anything coming close. It's brutal. Yeah, she she goes all right, doesn't she, Nambor? <laughs> And you guys had the benefit of of doing it a little bit harder than the normal populace because we timed it so that you got to finish in the dark. Yeah. Do you think Not, that was a good thing? Um, I think probably uh, 
it would have been more difficult because you didn't have that extra concept of of the hills up or down that were awaiting you. But at the same time, I think you probably missed out a bit on fully appreciating all the elevation that's there because, you know, you're only feeling that you're not also seeing it. And obviously you didn't get to see a lot of the um, the nature and stuff like that that you get to run through on the trails because it was pitch black it for was. a good second half of the walk. So. <laughs> yeah. And um, we came across a dead snake in the dark. That we, was a bit exciting. Yes, or a headless snake. It might still have been alive without its head. You we, never know. We nearly fell over. Even though we were walking, we all nearly fell over, I think, at least twice each. Each? <laughs> um, well, that's the only time I've ever entered the stack club is when I was walking out there. So um, it will please you to know that Melissa re-entered the stack club on her Sunday run. So, oh, did she? Yeah, she likes to pay more than her yearly dues to the stack club and maintain her presidency of the Sunshine Coast chapter. She did it in fine fashion. But, yeah, it was good fun. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. I still highly recommend everyone go out there. Personally, I wouldn't want to do it every week. No. But also the bonus was when we were starting, we were just walking up. It was still light at this stage, and a bunch of people were out there on the course, and they were walking back in the opposite direction. And I'm I'm standing there talking to you guys, and I'm wearing my red 50 parkrun shirt. And they said, are you locals? Do you know, is there a parkrun around here somewhere? And they had come out to do a recce of the course ahead of Saturday. And they were from Western Australia. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Completely what are the random. odds? Yeah. yeah. So. Parkrun is taking over. It is. Mm. All the days yeah. of the week. I was eaten alive as well, and I'm still suffering from that. I've come back with some welts and some scabs. It was a maybe a bit of a Melbourne curiosity for the uh, mozzies and sandflies. <laughs> you were a southern delight. That's a great souvenir I've brought back. But there was another bingo, streaky September challenge that we ticked off on Friday morning last week. Well, that was when, a double whammy. Yeah, so we're, we're walking around Nambour and it's tough and it's in the dark and we're all a bit tired. And then mid-freedom mid walk, you mentioned that Mount Coulomb's easy. It's nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> so we all agree to climb Mount Coulomb the following morning before sunrise, which requires, in Queensland, getting up at before 430 yeah, Something we had, that I'm we had not to, used to doing. We had to leave at 4.30 to get there yeah. at the time. So, yep. And we also did it in our pyjamas, our gym jams. We did. We climbed and a mountain I, before sunrise in our pyjamas. And I had the idea that we're climbing a mountain at 5 o'clock in the morning. There's not going to be too many people around. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told you there were going to be people there. <laughs> but somehow I didn't believe you. I said, you know, we were climbing a mountain at five o'clock in the morning. Why would other people <laughs> want to be doing that? But it was packed. Yep, and you're in your pyjamas. <laughs> packed to the point where I'm moving out of the way for people to pass me coming up and down. Yep. It's a popular mountain. It's a popular yeah. spot to see the sunrise as well. But it's also popular for people who just want to do hill repeats. You know, they just go up and down and up and down and up and down. And yeah. and what did you think of the um, degree of difficulty? Not as hard as Nambour, was it? It was harder. <laughs> it was harder. But, <laughs> but full credit to you. You did it with Wes strapped to the front of you. Yeah. 
his that was his first mountain climb, so it did take me a little bit longer than usual with an extra seven plus kilos to to get up there. So it did. You dropped back a couple of times, and I was a bit worried if you were going to keep coming. But every time I'd given up, yeah, your little head popped up, and then <laughs> where's his head popped up? And you just kept coming, and you made it to the top. Yes. And we all made it to the top and saw a fantastic sunrise streaked before the sun came up in our pyjamas. Tick and tick. Yes. For the level up challenge and the normal bingo card. So we did we did pretty well. And then the following day, I got to visit your home, Kalana Park Run. This is what happens when you come to the Sunshine Coast for adventures. I, I, <laughs> I pretty much exhaust you. That's That's... <laughs> Par for the course. It was back-to-back-to-back adventures. Yeah, and all early morning. Oh, no, no, the first one wasn't early morning. I did let you sleep in that first day. But But Kiwana, hey? Kiwana, hey? What did you think? Yeah, well, I mean, this is awkward. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) My worst fears. But I have to ask you, for, for the sake of letting the rest of the world know the truth about Kiwana, because I have a biased, rosy tinted glasses perception tell it like it is scotty well it's on the beach i managed to see the beach so there's no hiding that fact Mm -hmm. it's flat well it's some people disagree (laughs) with you there (laughs) well this is what i find funny um perhaps compared to westerfolds hill and things like that then yes it's it's a very gentle course to be honest, compared to most park runs I've done, and last time I checked, it was two more than you. Oh. Uh, it was—it's <laughs> probably one of the flattest park runs I've ever done. So if you like it flat and fast, have you checked the elevation of it against all your other park runs? No, oh, okay. I'm just going on feel. Okay, just going on feel. Yeah. Well, maybe you took it a bit easy on Saturday. There'd maybe. be a lot of people who would disagree with you that it's—it's it's flat and fast. Okay. Well, I had the privilege again with running with the showman, and uh, he lived up to his name once again. How he's, so? He's, well, he's always entertaining, isn't he? You know, he's cracking <laughs> jokes. He's stopping and doing magic tricks for, for some kids. Magic um, tricks? Yeah. He just stops and then just pulls out some tricks. I thought he took it a bit far at the turnaround when we stopped at the turnaround and he, he pulled out a table and, and set up a little... Nativity scene. A nativity uh, scene. Yeah, made out of uh, sticks and stones that he collected on the way, but it was in park run style, so he he recreated a semi-lifelike Tim figure of Tim, replica of Tim. I think he tried to do PSH, but he ran out of sticks. <laughs> and, um, in the nativity scene. Yeah, I think that's what he was trying to do. But I said, Adam, come on, we've got to finish. So he, he packed it up and and we kept going. Because we're not religiously insensitive at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a park run style nativity scene. I think it was. It was trying to recreate the thirteen pioneers. Oh, okay. For for With park Tim. run, park yeah. run thirteen. <laughs> Something like that. Gotcha. I was more interested in running. As as you are, of yeah. course. But um, I loved it, and and that. That point, that turnaround point is magic. You're very lucky. The views, I think so. Well, you get 360 kind of views, don't you? So you go all around the head. And I didn't see any dolphins. I thought I was promised dolphins, nor whales. I didn't but- promise dolphins. I, I 
promised that whales go past there. So there weren't any. I did stop and ask the cyclists that were also checking out the view from the top when I went past. And they, yeah, they didn't see any whales today, but or that day, I should say. And your parkrun morning was a little bit different, even though you were at Kiwana, because you had the pleasure of taking a guide dog around. I did. I had the company of Bridget for Saturday morning. Along with Wes, we, we walked Bridget, who is the guide dog for a lovely lady named Casey, who's a visually impaired runner. And Casey was out doing her 50th park run at Kiwana uh, with her guide, Birgit. So that was very cool to have her along to celebrate her milestone and to help her out a little bit with her dog. Have to admit, though, Bridget put the brakes on when she saw her mum come back in the opposite direction because obviously, um, well, not maybe not obviously because I haven't mentioned it, Casey normally runs at South Bank, which is a loop course. So I guess when Bridget gets walked by the South Bank park runners, she doesn't get to see her mum coming back because it's just one big giant lap. But she got to see her coming back at Kiwana and she just went, and that was it. So I kind of had to drag her gently up to the lighthouse before we could turn around. Then she was happy to be headed back in that direction again. And once again, with Wes on the front. So a couple of extra challenges there. Yeah, well, that was his fifth park run. And and you know what? He hasn't doubled up yet. So that's what an adventurer he is. He's done five different park runs so far. And we also took the opportunity to tick off the last of our bingo challenges by listening to a podcast. Not a full podcast, but... We never stipulated that, though, did we? No, we didn't. There were no rules. No. It was just listen to a podcast, so... And it was my favourite as well. Yeah, mine too. And we'll give us give us a quick review on the podcast. Oh, it was, well, excellent, as always. And I should <laughs> I should mention that it wasn't our own podcast. It wasn't no. Parkrun Adventurers. No. What's, what's our favourite podcast, Scotty? For the listener's benefit. No, they'll have to guess. Okay. I'm not going to give it away. Okay, we'll <laughs> let them guess. <laughs> there are clues throughout every episode of this of our podcast, so it should be pretty easy to guess. But that wraps up a, a real adventure for me. The, the trickets take on Queensland and visit the Sunshine Coast. And we had a wonderful time. Thanks for hosting us. You're very welcome even though you did get a couple of events ahead of me on the most events list, but just just quietly, you're going down, Trickett. Okay. We probably should put an end to this contest soon. So what do you mean? What, well, let's, let's, let's cap it at the end of the year. Are you scared? No. Okay. I just need to have an end goal. Uh, okay. Well, maybe not the end of the year. Maybe it's first of 50. Done. And then we will never speak of it again. Oh, we'll see. We've been to Riverway before, but we wanted to head back up to Townsville to have a bit of a chat to their event director this week because they have what I am dubbing the Parkrun story of 2017 happen on Parkrun Day last weekend. And here to tell us all about it is event director... Director Nico Boone. Nico, welcome to the Parkrun Adventurers. Thank you, Liz. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Now, we're going to confuse everyone because you're calling me Liz and everyone else knows me as Mel, but that's perfectly all right. Um, full dis- 
disclaimer here, I, I am related to Nico. So that's that's why she calls me the family name. But just so everybody else doesn't get confused, we'll get that out of the way. So let's jump let's jump in, Nico, because that's what Kevin the dog did on Saturday. Tell us what happened at your event. Oh goodness, it was um I didn't actually know it happened at the time. I was um run directing um, and found out um, later on in the morning that this had actually happened. But um, so Kevin and his owner, Karen, were just going for a walk around the footpaths around Riverway um, and our parkrun obviously started and we have um, around about 200, 250 runners each week and I think um, – just the shock of all the runners coming past um, spooked Kevin. Uh, his owner said he's not normally that skittish, but, yeah, gave him a bit of a fright and he's escaped um, out of her hand, the lead in her hand, and took off into the river. Um, three of our park runners actually saw this happen and jumped into the river to help rescue Kevin, who just started making his way out into um, the middle of the river. So they waded out through the weeds and the and all the um, creepy things on the side of the river and um, helped get Kevin back to shore. So what happened was um, I received a message later in the morning from Karen, Kevin's owner, wanting to find the three ladies who helped rescue Kevin. Um, she posted on Facebook um, as well and we put a post out on our Riverway page and um, we managed to find two of them. Um, Nikki and Liz um, were two of the ladies that helped rescue Kevin um, and get them in touch with Karen, um, but Jess remained elusive and we just found Jess this week as well. So Karen actually came down to Park Run um, the Saturday just gone, so a week later, um, was standing at the finish line with a sign saying Nikki, Liz and Jess and she had a little gift for each of them. She was so extremely grateful to the ladies that helped us to rescue Kevin. Isn't that the sweetest? Now, I understand, are there freshwater crocodiles in that river? Uh, there are. So um, where we are based on the Ross River is um, quite far away from the there's, – there's weirs in the river and we're quite far away from the um, – the mouth of the river so that's where the saltwater crocodiles are but there are actually freshwater crocodiles in that part of the river um eels in the river it's chock full of weeds at the moment and there's um snakes in there apparently as well have been reported in there so people do some in the river but it's not super pleasant so just to dive in like that was pretty brave yuck and and i understand that these three ladies after they did their dog rescue efforts they actually went on to finish park run they did. So um, one of the comments on the Facebook page was that uh, there's a headline now, um, people are resorting to extreme acts of kindness to avoid running, which was a bit hilarious, but all three ladies went on and finished their park run after rescuing Kevin and making sure he was safe. They went on to finish uh, their run in time. So, yeah, to be running, running sopping wet through the rest of the run was also pretty amazing. And Nico, there was no animosity from the owners that this group of park runners running towards that them caused the dog to be scared. They were just grateful that the dog was saved. Very, very much. Um, sometimes you do have, um, as a lot of event directors would know, 
Um, having a lot of people on the path can get some members of the public um, a little, get their nose out joint, I guess, a little bit, having all of those runners come past. And um, we do make sure in our run brief each week we remind everyone to be courteous, but to have a member of the public just be so grateful that our runners actually went and helped rather than being a bit put off that our runners were spooking the dog in the first place was, um, yeah, it, it's certainly a, very nice to hear that. Do you think you might have converted her to bring Kevin along to come and actually join in at Park Run next week? <laughs> I don't think Kevin will be around um, large groups of runners for a while. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I haven't actually spoken to Karen about joining Park Run herself. Um, she obviously enjoys walking Kevin. Um, but as far as being putting Kevin in around lots of other people, maybe not for a while. Seems fair enough. <laughs> and how? what's your parkrun story, Nico? How did you get involved in Riverway Parkrun or parkrun in general? Um, it's, as I said, it's a, it's a favourite story of mine to tell because um, I actually started running um, 2013, around about the start of 2013. Um, never run before in my life. Um, hated running, actually. And I started walking three times a week and decided that was boring um, and started a catch to 5K um, running app, listening to that on my phone and running with that. And when I said that I was getting into running, I actually had um, Mel here say that I needed to join Park Run and that there was a Park Run launching at Riverway, which was just down the road from my house. So um, I said, no, I'm not doing that. I don't, I can't run with people. They're, they're all be fast. I don't want to run with fast people. They'll think I'm too slow or I just felt I wasn't ready to run. Um, but she's very insistent, well, very insistent that I did go down and give it a go. So on their fourth event, I turned up um, in my Big W singlet, Big W shorts and Big W shoes, I, like I said, just not into running, um, just felt totally out of place because there's all these super fit people. And we all took off. We did our 5K. I ran, walked it, um, coming down through the finishing chute and there was people cheering and I thought they were cheering for the person behind me. Um I ran down through the chute and realised there was no one around. I was by myself and these people, random strangers, were actually clapping and cheering for me. Um, it was an incredibly welcoming moment and to realise that these people who are very fit athletes don't care about how fast other people run. They don't care about um how far you've run, how well you did. They just care that you finished and just so welcoming. So I started going every single week. Um, it was just, it was almost like an addiction. And um, because it was only new, Tracy, the event director, called out for um, run directors to help. And I put my hand up. I said, why not? Why not um, get involved? And yeah, from there I was run director and have been since um it's probably about this time, maybe a bit earlier, so over four years now, um, run directing there and just watching everyone else have the same um, experience as me. So coming down on their first park run, not feeling sure that they're in the right place and realising that, yes, these 
all of these people are here um, to welcome you. To, it's a community. It is such a great community um, at Riverway and at, at all the other parklands I've been to too. They're just, um, everyone is just so lovely and welcoming. Um, and earlier this year, Tracy stepped up to be um, an event ambassador um, and asked me to take over as run director, so as an event director. So I accepted. I just love this park run and um, the team we have there are just amazing as well, the run directors that help, just help it keep going each week. And we love having you, Nico. Can we go back to that first event? So the park yes. runners accepted you and made you feel welcome. Did you feel welcome at that first event or did it take a little bit more warming up before you felt part of the Riverway family? Um. I felt welcomed from the first event. So I finished. I'm not a particularly um, outgoing person. I'm not someone who actively seeks to go and talk to people. I'm, I'm quite, actually quite shy normally. And um, so on that first day, I don't think I actually spoke to anyone other than the barcode scanner um, and maybe anyone who would have said, you know, well done or anything like that when I finished because it was a quite, you know, about um, – 30 or 40 people. So it wasn't a big event at that time. Um, so as far as feeling welcome, I was welcomed straight up. Um, it took me a little while to, I think my first, the first time I volunteered was the first time I actually got to talk to people properly um, and and get to know other people within the Riverway Parkrun community. And you've stepped up to be the event director. How has it been replacing the massive personality that is Tracy Cullen? Um, I think because I have been so involved with Riverway for so long, I was okay stepping up and I did actually make this condition to Tracy that um, I would accept the role only if she was there, if she was going to stay on as um, event ambassador. I said, I just, I can't do it without you. (laughs) So she has promised she will be there for me um, if ever I need her and she is and she always will be, I know that, because she's just loves Parkrun so much and to be able to step up to event director, only if I had Tracy would I be able to do it. I couldn't have just walked in and, um, yeah, without her support and help. Nico, you've also got an alias that you go by, the Gumby Runner. I, I have to admit that following the exploits of the Gumby Runner has given me much joy over the years because the Gumby runner does all sorts of wonderful things, you know, when she's out running that I can really relate to and could so easily be me. Um, Can you tell us some of the fun you've had maybe with, you know, the app? What was the zombie app that you used to run with? It, um, so when I first started running, I looked up Couch to 5K programs to use on my phone and I come across this one called Zombies Run. Um, it was free, so that was that was a big selling point. But and I'm you know a bit partial to uh, zombie fiction, um, and it was it's a whole lot of fun to run with. But um, during the runs, I would have to do things like um, run for so many minutes and then stop and do squats and lunges and things like that. So um, running along the side of a very busy road, um, ducking into the bushes to do these sorts of things so that because 
as I said, I'm not a runner. I, I, at that point, I did not feel like a runner. I was someone who was walking and struggling to run a little bit. And um, I had a certain level of embarrassment that people would look at me and go, oh, my gosh, because I'm, I'm not. Um, I'm a, I was overweight. And just, just that um, insecurity of wearing running shoes and running down the road and having people... I imagine looking at me going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that woman's actually trying to run. Look at her. She's hilarious. So it's that insecurity that I had. And so I duck into the bushes. And I there's so many, so many just hilarious events. And I can only laugh at myself. But um, having to skip past a – so skipping was one, one of the exercises. And I had to skip past the tavern – um, on a Saturday afternoon with the Sunday Sunday afternoon with the Sunday search crowd or watching. Um, I stopped caring. I stopped having any shame at certain point and just going, I'm learning to run. I don't care anymore. Um, and I liked posting about my exploits because a way of sharing them and laughing at myself and giving other people a laugh as well um, was certainly fun. But, yeah, squatting in the bushes and having the police drive past and turn around and come back again to <laughs> see what this weird woman is doing in the bushes. <laughs> just, just doing my squats. <laughs> I think one of my favourite ones was when somebody came to ask you the time but you thought they were asking for a high five. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that – because was, you, you had your headphones in, didn't you? So you went to give them a high five. I had my watch on and he saw I had a watch. So he's um, put his hand out in a fist – and pointed to his watch, and I thought he was going for a fist bump. So I gave him a fist bump, and then I realised he was asking for the time. And I looked at my watch, and it was, didn't have the time because it only had um, the time I'd run and the pace. <laughs> so I told him my pace time. I was so embarrassed, and I just, again, ran off there, and I think I actually spent another good couple of minutes laughing out loud to myself. <laughs> What an idiot. Uh, After you gave him yeah. the time, did he give you a fist bump back at least? Yeah, he did. He did give me a fist bump when I okay. <laughs> He did. He was. You know, I had a bit of a laugh about it because um, this particular where he asked me is um, an area in it has a bad reputation for being a bit um, unsafe. And this particular area, I am usually on edge as I run through there, just, um, you know, just keeping aware of my surroundings and to have this person, you know, I'm like, yeah, totally going to fist bump you. Like, we're all good. We're all good. You're not going to hurt me. <laughs> I think um, everything in my brain was just like frozen. It was trying to process all this information. <laughs> just wasn't coping. Well, speaking of that, what is the running scene and parkrun scene like up in Townsville? I imagine you've got some challenges with the heat, but you've got two parkruns up there. You've got North Shore and Riverway. How's everything going? Yeah, so Townsville, so since I started running um, and joining parkrun, you actually sort of get not, um, you can't avoid it. You get thrust into the running scene there. So, um Shortly after Riverway started, um, North Shore started, which was, it's in um, a suburb about 20 minutes, 15, 20 minute drive away from Riverway. Um, it was actually a Stockland community. So Stockland at the time was a sponsor and they started up North Shore Park Run. Um, 
and it's um, actually quite a nice little run through um, park area, obviously being park run, but through park area. And, um, yeah, it's I've actually been there um, just a couple of times, but I do spend most of my time at Riverway. Um, the people there are just as welcoming as you'd find at any other park run. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a nice place to go for a bit of a run if you want a bit of um, change of scenery from Riverway, I guess, uh, for those that are regulars at Riverway. But um, the running scene itself is um, quite big for considering how hot it is. Um, summertime, usually it does get hot and we do have to remind um, our runners to rehydrate and take care of themselves, maybe run a little bit slower, um, especially in the warmer months. Um, we have a Townsville Roadrunners running group and they organise uh, the Townsville Running Festival each year. Um, which is a really big event, and we also have um, trail events around. There's a few trails around the Townsville area that we all like to run in as well. So it's going to park run and getting to talk to other people who do these um, running events and pretty much getting thrust and forced into doing these events because everyone gets so excited and they talk about it. So, yeah, I think going part of being part of a running community is actually going and, and learning to run, doing these events, and just having a whole lot of fun. Speaking of having a whole lot of fun and we're all about the adventures, you've done quite a few different park runs, haven't you, Nico? Uh, I have, um, mainly can in you, Queensland. Can you give us some highlights? Top three, not including your home park run? Uh, top three is hard. Um, so my family's all down on the Sunshine Coast Brisbane area, so we go down there often for holidays and I try and do um, as many park runs, different park runs as possible when I am down there. Um, look, my favourite park run I have done was Nambour. I did that um, one Christmas and it's all trail and I'm a big fan of trails and um, it's not easy. So, um, yeah, Nambour is probably up there on the list. Um, Kiwana is beautiful running along the river, uh, the ocean there. Um it's, yeah, it's very beautiful uh, park run um, to run along. And, oh, gosh, we did um, Ellie Beach. Ellie Beach is beautiful too. I like beaches, obviously. Um, <laughs> I get to run on the beach. I really enjoy that. Um, Who doesn't? Let's face it. I know. And I think the sea breeze as well helps just having wind, <laughs> wind cooling you down as you run along. Yeah, so I think they might have to be my top three that I've visited. It's a very popular top three, Nico. I think you need to come down south a bit more to uh, <laughs> get a taste of some non-beach park runs. We've got plenty down here. But thank you for joining us on the podcast this week and telling us all about Kevin and then your your story of park run. We've enjoyed it. Excellent. I'm glad you <laughs> Thank you so much for your time as well. Last time we spoke to a Paralympian, we had a lot of fun, so it's time to do it again. And this time we're speaking to a parkrunning Paralympian. Welcome to the podcast, Brant Garvey. Thanks so much for having me. Now, you've been to the Rio Olympics. You participated in the very first triathlon at the Paralympics. How did that go for you? For me, it was uh, the 
achievement of a lifelong dream. Honestly, I had, ever since I remember watching the Olympics as a little kid, I'd always wanted to go and do that. And I didn't even know there was a difference between the Olympics and the Paralympics at that stage. And then it wasn't until 2013 when I was introduced to the idea of triathlon and then discovered that it was debuting in 2016 and said, that's what I want to do, and then did everything that I possibly could to make it happen. And, yeah, to, to get there was absolutely phenomenal and the most terrifying experience of my life in terms of I've never, ever been so nervous before a race. I can imagine. Um, I mean, I I get a little bit nervous before fun runs sometimes, but to to be contesting for Olympic medals and you know with with the elite of the world, that must be quite a surreal experience. And even more so in the sport of triathlon, because it's not like there is heats beforehand or anything else. It's it's literally comes down to you know for me three years of training for one race one hour race and um, and for those of you who don't know my story I also I got injured during that one race and I got I got to I was in first place and then I got to see every other athlete in the race gradually pass me over the over the rest of the race. Now Brent Scotty didn't mention um how you qualify as being a para, a para athlete. Can you give us a bit of a rundown for our listeners who haven't heard of you? Um, what, what makes you a para athlete? So before I was born, uh, my mum had an ultrasound and she was told that everything was fine. And then I came out as an above-knee amputee. Basically, they call it a congenital amputee. It means that my legs stopped growing just above my knee, and they really have no idea why. There's no reason. There's no evidence. It's just a freak occurrence. And um, personally, I would have thought that uh, two arms and two legs would have been a major checklist item on an ultrasound, but apparently not the case in 1985. So you've grown up without having one of your legs, effectively. How has that affected yep. your active activity lifestyle? Did it ever prohibit you from getting involved in sport and running and footy and all those things that kids get involved in? The first challenge was um, actually getting someone to make an artificial leg. So we, we were living in Darwin at the time and, uh, you know, it was really hard to find someone that would make a decent artificial leg. And my first artificial leg, was hand-carved out of one piece of wood on a lathe and didn't have a knee, was entirely out of wood and had a strap that used to go around my neck to hold it on. So I can't imagine it being overly comfortable. No, that sounds – that's not conducive to running around the footy field or going for a run or a no, swim, and, in fact. <laughs> and because it had, a, had no knee, when you were learning to walk, you actually had to swing it out to the side so that you would clear the ground. So if you try to swing it straight through, like you know, an able-bodied person would walk, you would actually trip yourself over. So it took me longer than most. It was about probably the age of two when I um, I first pushed away my little trolley that I used to balance and started walking without it. Having been born without your leg, Brent, do you do you feel like because it's it's been the normal for you growing up? Do you feel like that may have been 
a different case than somebody who's had an accident or an illness that has meant they had to have something amputated during their life? I definitely think that there's a difference between the two experiences, that's for sure, because they have actually lost something. So they've known what it's like and then have to readjust. Uh, for me, it was it's always been the same and it's just been about learning and adapting. Um, my mum said when, when she found out that I was born with one leg, she was always worried that I was going to get um, left behind and that I wouldn't be able to do things that other kids could do. And then now she tells me that she reckons I've spent my entire life trying to prove her wrong by just taking on every possible challenge and always just trying to find a way to do everything that every other kid was doing. And has this led to, you've got a website and a, a motto you live by, I guess, uh, the noexcuses.com.au. That didn't happen until 2013, and that was where running was introduced into my life. So growing up as an above-knee amputee, we we kind of always just automatically, there was assumptions from other people that running as an above-knee amputee was impossible. And then in my circle of people with the same disability as me, it was the same consensus that you just couldn't run as an above-knee amputee. And then in 2013, I decided that I really wanted to, rather than just accept what people had told me, to find out if it truly was impossible. So then I, I started, my first run in 2013 was horrendous. My leg fell off and I landed flat on my face, um, uh, but decided not to stop there and come back again. And then I'm literally talking meters at a time. I um, vividly remember celebrating the first time I ran 100 meters without stopping and I was shattered. And then I was able to get a little bit further and a little bit further. I'd like to go back. So you you started off your very first uh, prosthetic leg was made out of wood and it didn't bend at the knee and now obviously that's not going to be appropriate for running but at what point did you get uh, a leg that could bend at the knee and was able to you know assist you with that kind of motion? Probably would have been a couple of years after that I had uh, a leg that came with a knee but uh, when I started running in 2013, I was doing it on my everyday leg. So not designed for running at all. It basically, think of a, a door hinge. That's what the knee is on a pole with, a, with a, some kind of foot, which is not really flexible at all. And so I've got video footage of my running on my everyday leg, and it looks like that I've, I've been shot and that I'm running away from the person that shot me. That's the, it's honestly horrendous. It's, it's painful for people to watch. And then after I was started running a fair, fair bit of distance, I think the, the furthest I ran on that everyday leg was 12K for a fun run. I decided that if I was going to take this seriously, that I needed to invest in the equipment that's designed to do it. And that's when we got the blade leg or the Rolls Royce of artificial legs. That's a great description, a very, very visual description, which is awesome when you're on a podcast. Brent, um, how many, so obviously runners, we, we have a thing for shoes and, and like to have as many pairs, like the correct amount of pairs of shoes for runners is one more than we already own. How many legs have you got? Currently, I have three legs. 
So I have an everyday leg, a cycling leg, and a running leg. And each one of those is worth about $20,000. Wowzers. And the sporting ones are self-funded. So you, you, they're not um, paid for. You have to save up the money and buy them yourselves. And they only last, like the running leg, for example, only lasts me two years. Wow. Make shoes look really cheap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how many Ks do you get per leg? Do they, do they give you that when you buy one? <laughs> No, look, so basically doing what I do voids the warranty of the leg because I'm doing so much volume on uh, on the blade leg. Um, they, they, they would have it, so they're tested to a certain amount, and I think it was probably a year's worth. But, you know, I in 2013, I was training for an Ironman, so the amount of kilometres that I would have done would have, yeah, would have far exceeded what they're designed to do and probably why I... I blew a knee and a blade in less than two years. As one of our elite athletes, is it, do you get any support from government bodies or any of the Olympic committees that are around? It's a, it, unfortunately, it's a very, very cutthroat industry in terms of, so for my sport in triathlon, you get funded if you're ranked uh, in the top eight, but in the top 50% of the, the athletes in your benchmark race. So what that means is that once a year, they'll have either the world championships or every four years is the Paralympics. And they base the funding on your result in that one event. So it doesn't matter how you do the entire year. If you don't perform in that benchmark event, you don't get any. So I got injured in Rio, obviously, and so that meant that um, I lost my funding for the next 12 months. And then I got uh, really sick before the World Champs this year, and that means I lost my funding for the next 12 months again. It doesn't seem like a very fair system, does it? <laughs> no, it's definitely – it doesn't work in the, in the current way, but I, I don't uh, have any advice on – what it should be in terms of I don't know what the, the best way to do it is. But, yeah, for me, I've had some amazing results throughout the year and then something out of my control happens before the world champs and then, yeah, it's all self-funded. And how do you stay positive and motivated when, when these just – it's basically bad luck when these unlucky events occur that sort of derail where you were headed along the way? I just – really focused on controlling the stuff that I can control. That's, that's kind of where I keep all my attention. So these things that happen in terms of the, the funding from AIS and, uh, you know, being injured before you know, the most important race of your life, you just have to go, yep, let's, let's see what we can take away from that, what we could have changed to potentially prevent that. And then focus on all the stuff I can control. So focus on getting back into training to make sure that we've got a, a stronger base. Uh, if finance is an issue, I'm, I just hustle really hard in, in building relationships and then finding people that are passionate about what I'm doing and that I can give value back to and then building relationships with those companies. Brant, let's turn our attention to Tokyo 2020. So you said you're in front 
at Rio and you, you had an accident or an injury. Is that so some motivation was, to push on for Tokyo 2020? It, it definitely is in terms of, so I was, I got out of the water in second place and then passed the, the leader through transition, took the lead of the race. And then I injured my adductor magnus on my good leg. So right up in the groin, there was tendinopathy. Never felt it before ever in the lead up to the race, but it got me on race day. Um, and then I just got, I got to watch everyone ride past me. And so that part was like, I know that I have physically and mentally what it takes to be the best athlete in the world, but it's about me getting it put together on the day that counts. And, and so having that belief is incredibly motivating and that's what keeps me going. I mean, I know that I can do it. It's just about making everything align, like making all these crazy scenarios align on that particular day. Now, if you weren't already busy, you know, training for the next Paralympics in 2020, you've also recently, um, I won't say you've set the goal because you've had the goal for a little while, but you have let everybody know that you're keen to get yourself a 20-minute 5K. How are you going to work towards that? Yeah, so this 20-minute 5K is something that I've been talking about for a while, but it's, it's always kind of been it'll – It'll happen when it happens, but now I want to take control of it. It's if I can run a sub twenty minute five k, it kind of puts me at equal with the the best above knee amps in the world. Uh, so the fastest that I've ever ran, which is on it would be on file for um, the park runs, was a I think it was twenty two eighteen. Uh, and that was in 2000, maybe mid 2016. And so, I, you know, I'm an, I know I'm a far better runner than I was at that stage. And so I'm going to go do a benchmark park run uh, probably this weekend and see where we're at and then start um, plotting out the course to get it to sub 20. And one of the reasons that I love doing it at a park run is because there's always someone around that you can then track down to to paste you or, or push you to that next little bit that you didn't think or you probably wouldn't do if there was no one out there running. And you're park running over in Perth. You've run at Clay's Book Cove a few times. Are you going to head back there this weekend? I think I'll go there just because it's comfortable. But I'd, another thing that I'd love to do is just start visiting as many different um, park runs uh, as I can. I think that uh, it's probably also a good one to benchmark because I know where I was previously at that particular run. We're also doing a whole bunch of other training that then is going to complement it. So that's probably some of the stuff that I'll share. You know, I'm going to this, what they call mega Pilates at at LA Fit here in, in Perth. And... In terms of core strength, it's just so good at being able to develop that that core hip strength to be able to make sure that all the power that I'm generating is going through my feet and moving me forward. Good luck with all that, Brand. I've, I've got a question. When you go to park run and you're there amongst the park runners, amongst the ordinary folk, do, do people how do they feel when you pass them? And is that all they want to talk to you about? Um, that you, you you're an amputee and or do they just treat you like a normal runner? Yeah, totally. I, I don't even 
I don't even think the I've had anyone, you know, like the leg looks really cool. So that's one of the things, like the leg really stands out, the blade leg. Um, but, yeah, no, when I go there, I, I think it's, it's just a great kind of social competitive vibe. So if I'm running beside someone, I can see that they're trying to push harder so that they, they, um, they obviously don't get passed by me or I'm trying to hold on to them. But I don't think the leg has anything to do with it. I think it's just people out there not wanting to get beaten by anybody, you know. Um, people would love to chat to me about my story because in Western Australia um, – They've promoted my my journey a lot. So if I go down to a park run, a lot of people will know me from the the stuff that we've done here in TV and throughout the media here in Western Australia, and that side of it they're fascinated by. But um, yeah, no, definitely no one really, other than the cool factor, makes anything about the leg. You you might be surprised. I personally I get motivated by people that appear to be doing it tougher than me. So if I get overtaken by somebody with a pram that has a child in it at Parkrun, then I'm like, okay, I need to really suck it up because they're, they're out there and they're doing this and they've, they've got an extra few kilos to, to push along. So you're probably inadvertently inspiring people and you don't even know about it. You do have a little one on the way very shortly. Will you be planning to, to get the pram out in six months or whenever the, the neck strength is good enough for the bub to um, to make its way around a parkrun course? A hundred percent. So my one of my biggest, biggest goals and challenges coming up at the moment is – so I'm a professional speaker, so I go around talking to all sorts of organisations and sporting teams and schools and – I reckon the number one excuse that I would get about not being able to stay fit or or achieve a goal comes back to the fact that they have kids. That would be the most common excuse I get. And I've always given them a hard time saying, no, I still think that you can do it. Uh, and so now I'm going to be in that position in three weeks' time and so I have to back it up. And um, I'm excited about trying to balance it and figure out a way because I truly believe that you can make it work. I mean, you're a prime example. Uh, you're, you're taking your your little one to, to park runs and I would love to. I'm just probably a little bit more impatient about the wanting the neck to be firmed up as quickly as possible. Like, come on, six months is ages before I'll be able to go for a run with you. Well, you can always start a little bit earlier. At the moment, Wes, Wes gets around on the carrier with me, but we're, we're just taking it easy. We're walking and he climbed his first mountain last week, so he's getting there slowly. He's only four months. My husband's looking forward to when he can run with him in the pram, though. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped about it as well. And Wes, does, it, does he love it, going for the walk? He he falls asleep most times, <laughs> but he does love the the fresh air. And when he is awake, he's just always like looking around in wonder at where I've taken him. So, yeah, I'm really really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to being able to share it. We've got a boy coming as well, so um, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to being able to find ways to to balance making sure that you stay healthy body, healthy mind, and um, being a present parent. Branch, you've got a lot coming up in the next few weeks. I wish you luck. I really do. I've witnessed it firsthand with <laughs> Mel over the weekend. And uh, it's a wonderful time, um, but it certainly throws some challenges your way. But I think you're up for a, a challenge. People can follow you on Facebook. You've got a great Facebook page. So 
Um, I'm sure plenty of our listeners have loved hearing your story, so they can follow you on your Facebook page. And thanks for joining us on the Parkrun Adventurers this week. Yeah, absolute pleasure. Um, thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, if any park runners see me at a park run, by all means, don't be scared to come up and say hi. I, I love chatting to people and I love running alongside people. Good morning, Parkline Adventurers. It's Greta here, and I am at the launch of the Carisbrook Parkrun in South Australia. Um, so Carisbrook is in the city of Salisbury area, uh, which is just outside of the city of Adelaide. Um, and Carisbrook Park is this beautiful park that uh, follows the uh, Parawira River. Uh, and it's a lovely, lovely course. And so we're launching today on Grand Final Day. Uh, so I'm going to find some people to chat to about how they found the course. Okay, so I'm here talking to... Sean. Hi, Sean. And we're at the Carisbrook Park Run. Have you done the park run this morning? Uh, yes, I have, yeah. 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 And how did you find it? Uh, it was hard because my glutes are sore from training yesterday. <laughs> but it was always good to come out, yeah. Yeah. It was good. It was it's good. a nice run, yeah. So tell me about the course. Uh, it's good because you're not near any roads, you're not near any pavements, it's out in the trees, along the riverbed, so along the riverbank, sorry. So uh, yeah, it's really good. It's, it's probably one of the nicest ones. Yeah. So this isn't your first park run? No, I've done Mawson Lakes as well. Okay. And the one in the city around the Torrens, which gets a bit busy, whereas this one's a lot nicer. Yeah. Uh, quieter, more scenic. Yeah. And how many park runs have you done? Oh, I don't know. Lost count. Quite a few. Yeah, quite yeah. a few. Yeah. Started doing torrents when that first started and then just done them on and off over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And do you think you'll be back to Carisbrook? Oh, definitely, yeah. yeah. This all I organise a running group on a Saturday morning. Oh, lovely. So, and we go to different places every Saturday. So we'll put this one on our sort of rotor. So yeah. we'll definitely be back. Excellent. All right, well, it's lovely to see you and it'll be great to have you back. No worries. Thanks for organising the run. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Good. All right, so I'm now here talking to Fiona and Belle. And they are actually sitting here at Carisbrook Park Run. They're having a beautiful breakfast. So tell me about the breakfast, guys. Bit of banana bread after the run. Yeah. And is that a bit of a regular thing for you guys? It is. We have a, a Saturday morning running group and we go to all different places and have breakfast together. That sounds awesome. And sometimes you come to park runs? We do. About once a month we do park run. Fantastic. And I hear you guys were um, did a, a bit of a first last weekend. Yes, we both did our first Eurobilla run last weekend. So what's Eurobilla all about? Uh, running for the day. <laughs> so it's just a short run, isn't it? 56. 56 um, metres? 56 kilometres. <laughs> oh, buddy. That sounds like a challenging run. It was interesting. It was, um, yeah, it was good. It was good fun. Yeah, good way to push yourself and see what you can do. And how about you? How did you go last weekend? Oh, I went all right. I finished, so that's the main thing. <laughs> you know, almost 10 hours, but didn't go to plan and it wasn't pretty, but we got there. That's it. Well, that's an ultra, isn't it? <laughs> they're never, exactly they're right. never pretty. <laughs> I don't know. It was my first one, so I didn't really know what to expect. Oh, but well done. You did well. And so how did you find the run this morning here at Carisbrook? Yeah, really nice. So after doing um, Mawson Lakes Park Run, it's the, our regular running group's park run, so it was nice to get off, uh, you know, the Z and have a bit of a, more of a trail and a few little inclinations in there. 
Yeah. So we should probably explain to people what the Z is. Oh, sorry, the Z at Mawson Lake. So the shape of the 2.5 out and 2.5 back is a, a Z shape. So that's, um, yeah, the Mawson Lakes Park Run that we do. So known as the Z course. Also good for um, zoolanders. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a few zoo animals out there along the uh, track. <laughs> so this one's quite different, a bit of a, a bit more of a trail here at Carisbrook. Yeah, it's just nice to be off the footpath or cement and, and onto a bit of gravel. That's, and I think us trail runners prefer that. <laughs> so you do a bit of trails? Yeah, yeah, prefer to stay on the trails, can go further and the body holds up a bit better and recovery's nicer and there's more things to look at and keep you entertained when you're out there for nine hours and 57 minutes and <laughs> 35 seconds. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming along to Carrisbrook Park Run. Do you think you'll be back? Yeah, I'm sure we will. It's nice, especially with our running group, having the kids out here so they've got the playground. and we yes, can... there's a beautiful playground here, isn't there? There really is, and we can gather and have a bit of brekkie and coffee afterwards, so it's, it's lovely. Great. Well, thanks for coming along and hope to see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I'm now here with... Hope. And we're at the Carisbrook Park Run. And uh, how was your run today, Hope? It was good. Uh, it's a bit rough under the pram foot. Yes. Um, but we did a better time than the trial last week. Excellent. And so you've got a few decorations on the pram this week. What What's happening today? Oh, the grand final's on. Woo-hoo! Crows are in the grand final. <laughs> um, first time in 19 years. So let's hope they get up and win. Yeah. So you did a bit of decorating this morning. The pram looks fantastic. I do. I've, uh, what forced, have you got on the pram? I forced my daughter to wear her Guernsey. She yep. wasn't too impressed about it. It, but yeah. we've got Claude the Crow, we've got the scarf, we've got the flag, I've got my hat, my Guernsey, my jumper. <laughs> you look brilliant. <laughs> looks fantastic. And i got lots of uh, friendly banter along the way. I bet you did. Um, so a lot of Go Crows from everybody else that was wearing Crows gear today. That's awesome. And um, I'm just uh, pe- peeking in the pram now. It looks like your daughter's absolutely dead this is, a, this is a usual thing at park run usually around the 3k mark she falls asleep yep. and i get a good half an hour after i finish park run you can enjoy your coffee <laughs> so we sit and relax and we don't get her and put her back in the car too early otherwise we won't sleep again oh fantastic so she always comes with you to park run? always comes with me um unless i'm doing the run director gig and then i leave her home with dad oh and how do you find run directing uh, a little bit nervous to start with yeah. i got a croaky voice the first time i did it at mawson lakes um, but in a few weeks' time, I'm doing it here at Kerrisbrook. Well, thank you so much for stepping up and run directing. That's fabulous. No worries. Do you enjoy it? I do, I do. Um, feel a bit of sense of responsibility to make sure everyone is heading in the right direction. Yeah, <laughs> that they don't get lost. <laughs> that they don't get lost. <laughs> and how did you find the course today? The course is fine. Beautifully in shaded, yep. um, you know, nice amount of hills and downhills. Yep, perfect. Fantastic. And so we'll obviously see you back at Carisbrook because you'll be run directing. I am tail runner next week. Fantastic. So getting my volunteer numbers up. Excellent. We love volunteers. Exactly. So volunteer, parkrun is not possible without them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking to me today and good luck with the game later on today. Yeah, go Crows. Go Crows. (laughs) Okay, and so I'm now here with... (laughs) Nick. What's your name? Jess. Yeah, and we're yeah. at the Carisbrook Park Run. Yeah. How did you find the park run today? Uh, good. Yeah. Who did you run with? Amy. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, and you've got a t-shirt on there. What does it say on the back of that t-shirt? 50. 50. Have you done 50 park runs? I've done 100. You've done 100 park runs. And how old are you? 11. And where do you normally park run? At Barker. Yeah, and did you like Carisbrook today? Yeah. 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 
And so you you were saying that you ran with Amy. Who's Amy? Is she a friend of yours? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Where does she normally run? Um, Mount Barker. Mount Barker as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what's your favourite thing about Carisbrook Park Run? The playground. Oh, so tell me about the playground. I like it. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's big. Yeah, it is big. It's got lots of stuff. Yeah, I like the the the, the um the climbing bits. Yeah. Yeah. They look really good. All right. Well, I, I like to be run director at Mount Barker. Ah, oh, do you sometimes run direct at Mount Barker? Yeah, I did it on my birthday. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. What do you like about run directing? I get to speak in a microphone. Do you like doing that? Yeah. Oh, good job. Yay. Yeah. Well, thank you for volunteering at Park Run, especially doing run directing. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Thanks, Greta. She's dusted off her microphone slash smartphone and got us a roving report from Carisbrook launch, another launch from South Australia. Gangbusters. That's where they're going. Now we have one launch this week, and it's in Victoria, the little town of Port Arlington. It is. Are you heading along to that one, or do you have a special milestone to attend closer to home? I have a very special, the most special milestone to attend close to home, so we're at Westerfolds, but Port Arlington will be good. Sleepy little town. I have memories of breaking my foot in Port Arlington. <laughs> We've got a couple of anniversaries this week as well, one in WA and the other in Queensland. So we've got Champion Lakes over in the west and Hamilton Island up in the north of Queensland. Happy anniversary to those events. Party time on Hamo. I reckon that'd go off. I would say so, definitely. And in the wrap-up, we're done with Streaky September, Scotty. Really glad we made it to the end, and we both did. And we didn't break our streak? Yeah. Well, how'd you go on Sunday? <laughs> I didn't go on Sunday at all. <laughs> or Monday, or Tuesday. <laughs> I, I am celebrating not-so-streaky October at the moment, and just giving my legs a little bit of a break. Um, yeah, how about you? Did you streak on Sunday? Weren't you? Didn't you say... Some time along this month that you're going to keep it going. Three to four times a week, I said. Did you? Yeah. And so I'm running out of week to get those three to four times in. So I will I will get out there. I actually went for a run down at Wynnum. Did a little freedom run down there. Gosh, you're freedom running all over the place. I wanted to check it out. And again, another nice flat course, which was good, but it was raining. That one is flat. I will confirm that that one is flat. That one is definitely flat. I can see it's a fast one too. It would be a fast one, unless the wind gets up. Yeah, and it's also got a couple of turnarounds, you know, 180 back on yourself twice. So that can slow some people down, I think. But I'm sure if you're super motivated, you can still make it fast. But final thoughts on Streaky September? I, I know you didn't break your streak, but do you feel like it was a success? Look, I... Like I said in previous episodes, it was it was transformational for me and our family that we got to spend time together and we enjoyed walking together as a family. I'm a little bit, I don't want to say I'm disappointed because I didn't run as much as I'd like because... You were injured. I was injured and, and but there's something about, I want to, I want to go back. So next, next year, we're doing it next year, Mel. Streaky September is now going to be a tradition for the park run. 
adventurers. And you know what? If you want to do a bit of a streak with a run, you don't have to wait till next year, Scotty. You can always do that. Yeah, well, look, let's let's give myself 11 months to build up for it. <laughs> okay. I would personally like to say thank you to everybody who participated in Streaky September because I had quite a few touch-and-go days uh, during the month and if it hadn't been for the support and knowing that so many other people were out there doing it as well, I'm pretty sure I would have dropped the streak. So thank you to everyone on Strava and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter who shared that you were streaking with us because it really made a difference. I was also touch and go a couple of times and I've got to tell you the one night when we arrived in Brisbane a couple of weeks ago, our our plane was delayed, it was busy all day during the day, Uh, Kasia was at school, Bonnie finished work and we just jumped on a plane and and we landed in Brisbane, it must have been around 11 o'clock, a bit after, yeah, and then we had to get a hire car and then we had to make our way to our accommodation and we pulled into our accommodation at 11.58. (gasps) My genius wife had the idea to jump out of the car and start the streak at 11.58 while I ran into the uh, reception to get the keys. Wow, that is cutting it fine. So we definitely cut it fine and then we proceeded to run around the hotel car park at midnight. <laughs> at midnight. Well, it was sort of past midnight, but we'd started the streak at 11.58, so it's still, I reckon that counted. It counted, yeah. It counted. We started the streak on the Friday, finished it on the Saturday, but because we had a, our daughter in the room who had, who had funnily enough, had already done a, a fun run at school that day, so she'd completed her streak. Ah. Her parents were left high and dry, so we were taking it in turns, running around the car park, watching our daughter. But we did it, and that's that's cutting it fine, but that's also a commitment. That is commitment. That's the power of Streaky September and not wanting to break your streak. Well done to Vonnie, because I, I reckon, do you, do you think you would have broken it if she hadn't got out there and had that idea? No, I'd given up. Oh. I was a bit cranky. I got it. <laughs> it wasn't my finest hour. That's okay. There have been quite a few challenging moments in Streaky September. I know that uh, it wasn't always easy and I did cuss you quite a little bit when we were climbing Mount Coulomb because, okay, yes, Mount Coulomb, the climb itself was my idea. However, before sunrise, who does that? Who sets that as a challenge knowing full well that you have to complete that challenge yourself as well? You know, I think we need to be... A little less off the cuff when we're making rules up and making challenges up live while we record. And maybe we need to discuss these things before we record next time. So that was it. Streaky September. All done. Thanks again for everyone who joined us. We'll move on to the next thing, which is our Pearlustration. Mel, it's back. It's coming back. When when, When is it coming, Scotty? Let's do a little planning on that. Let's write some questions. Okay. We might come back next week with that. To release the Pearlustration for 2017. Awesome. Happy Park Run Day this weekend. It's International Park Run Day. It is Kasha's 100th Park Run. Massive celebrations at Westerfolds for me. Oh. What about for you? Uh, my my Park Run destination is yet to be confirmed for this weekend. I've, I've got a little bit of catching up to do. So 
I think I might go on an adventure. Well, I'll wait to hear all about it on next week's episode of the Parkrun Adventures. Thanks, Mel. Thanks, Scotty.